0: Hey, and welcome to You're Wrong About Musicals, I'm Esme and I'm now. and this week we're going to be talking about Beauty and the Beast But yes. first, some news, where do we want to start? Because I mean it's not as stacked as last week I feel like, there's still yeah. quite a bit Schmigadoon cancelled Oh yeah, Schmigadoon cancelled, never seen an episode but I was intrigued about this season I'm distraught, I've never watched it but I'm distraught <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it had it had what any like TV show wants, which is a very dedicated cult following. Yeah, and they were about to get to the mega musicals. So sad. Give it to us, please. Just let us know what the plot would be because it's been written. That's what's also really sad about it. Yeah, they've like written all of it. It's you another. It yeah, it's another instance of like stuff being written and people putting in all this work and then like nothing happening because mm-hmm. of it. The performers for. The What's On Stage Awards have been announced. It very is. Exciting. Very exciting. It is Newsies, Flowers for Mrs Harris. I think that's closed. Um, Guys and Dolls, La Cage Follies, Next to Normal. <laughs> Yay. I think they're going to perform um I'm Alive, also Boy and the Invisible Mince-mate. Girl. Professional rational uh, opinion. Um, and then we have, obviously, Operation Mincemeat, because they have to Sorry, be just, I don't think they do, actually. I don't <laughs> think they do. Um, <laughs> How many noms did they get? Two? How many? <laughs> they got. Unfortunately, they got more than two. They got a lot less than I was expecting. Sound and, and then sound and music are also performing. So that's coming up soon. When is it? Next month, eleventh February. That's that's soon. Like two weeks. Two weeks. I'm quite excited for them to happen. There seems to be a real hype around them this year. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably watch it. Yeah, is that like a live stream or something? I don't know. I think it's online. Or at least, like, maybe it's broadcast somewhere, I think. It makes sense for it to be online because it's, like, yeah. All that kind of stuff. Um, I don't remember where it is. Hannah Waddingham is set to return as host of the Olivier Awards. I did not watch year's mm, awards. Me neither. Full disclosure, I watched a tiny bit of them on Mew in the back of one of my classes. The Big news is that we've just spent the past, like, hour discussing. Oh my god. Um frozen is closing on the west end it just announced its final extension and it's closing in september yeah and there's a lot of discussion on what's going to go in there we spent the last hour just throwing out names that we watched. throwing out yeah so it's like it's like here's what I really and they will things. say like i think this is going to go in and then i'll say it's not going to go into julie i think this is going to go in and then esme says that's not going to go into julie and then it will be like and then it'll like be like an this can't. This sh- should not go to your York because it would flop horrifically. But I need it to go somewhere, and it would just be like us going. Tuck the lasting. The light in the piazza. It. Like it would sell two the tickets. Is, I'll try and sum up the many, many points that we made during mm. this whole discussion. Number one is we have a lot of things we would love to see go in there. Yes, Anastasia. One of Anastasia. Beetlejuice. I said great comment because, like, people are saying newsies out I there, did. and it's not newsies, so I'm allowed to say great comment. People are saying newsies, and I'm beginning to think the people who are saying newsies did not see newsies at Wembley, or if they did, they're just like, oh, they're just gonna like put a piece. <laughs> they're just gonna put the zip wire, you know, call it a day. That will work. Go back to the original staging. We, we were saying the thing that. West ended the West End is missing right now is kids shows. yeah, specifically the the kind like right now, if you're a tourist or even just like a parent with a day off and you wanted yeah. to take your kids to go and see a show, your choices are basically Lion King, Frozen, and Matilda. Yes. And there are some others that you might take a kid to, but those are the ones that are targeted towards kids. And yeah. then at the risk of sounding a little bit sexist, uh, I promise I'm not. We were saying Frozen is the one that's like targeted towards young girls. And yeah. it is like, that's just a statement. Sometimes I'll just be on the tube and there'll be like a ton of little girls in little Frozen dresses going to see Frozen. Oh, it's it's the lane all the time And they're all dressed up. It's cute. It's really sweet. But there's a lot of girls and not a lot of boys. Yeah. Because Matilda is, we were saying, for like a little bit older, like eight to yeah. kind of like babies. 10, 12. Baby's first show is Frozen. And so we think something that appeals to kids should go in there. Anastasia. <laughs> please. Yeah. Please put Anastasia wrong.
1: <laughs> Andrew! Is... I <laughs> really
0: <laughs> like Anastasia. Angie! I know you're listening. Please. It... Also, guys, Andrew Lloyd Webber owns the theatre. And oh, Disney do not own it. I've seen that going around. That being said, though, just because it's Andrew Lloyd Webber's theatre, it does not mean it. He... <laughs> It's one of his shows that has to go in. No, I'm seeing a lot of like people like seeing one fact and being like, huh, this must mean this." Well, I, I would... just want to make it clear: Andrew Lloyd Webber did not write Frozen. <laughs> God, I and wish Frozen is did. in a Lloyd Webber theater. Like so many shows are in a Lloyd there Webber theater. Matilda in a Lloyd Webber theater. Back to the Future is in a Lloyd Webber theater. He did not write those shows. He just no, he did a lot not. Of yeah, he's just the landlord. Just rich. <laughs> i wouldn't like i wouldn't be surprised if it was an actual like revival but like the problem is i don't think there's going. anything of his that could be revived into jury lane people saying, like cats huh joseph the only ones i think are maybe joseph and maybe jesus christ jesus christ yeah those are the two i'm like i could see that but people who are saying cats no you can't put cats into jury Lane. God, I wish One they could. just did a movie and it went horribly wrong. <laughs> what do you mean? It's my favorite movie. It's my favorite movie. I'm watching on Netflix tonight. Oh, <laughs> yeah, guys. But if you're reviving like Cats, it needs to be a fresh take, which is why there's that like ballroom version. Yeah, I don't want to clear. I want to see that. I really want to see that. Starlight Express is doing a new take where yeah. everything is the stage. That's mm-hmm. going to be really fun. I want to go see it. Yes. But I don't have any money. No, I've got a plan in the works so. though people saying Evita, they just did a concert of Evita, and if that was going to go on to the West End, they would have said something. Also, that concert of Evita struggled to sell tickets. It didn't sell out. Bonnie and Clyde, we we talked about this. Sold out. It sold out. On the programs, they had Bonnie and Clyde will be back. Mm. Newsies when it closed said, this is not the end of Newsies. Yeah, but I'm starting to think they might be bullshitting because it's been months and there's been no word. But see, the thing is, there's at least some indication that they at least don't plan for it to be the end. Oh, yeah, the sign of life. Elisa did two performances. Two, three performances? It did two. It only did two. It wasn't like Love Never Dies, which did three or four. Three or four, something like that. Love Never Dies a weird amount. It did two performances. It didn't, I don't think, sell either of them. Yeah. And they didn't say anything at the end. Saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll oh, we'll be that, you know. So I don't think it's going to go like that. Especially no, I agree. If it was gonna go on the West End, if it struggled to sell out, Jury Lane the first time, mm. I could see it doing event. a limited run with a big star attached at the Apollo, which is be- recently open. Yeah, but no, you I would also say, another Disney musical might go in, but that yeah. would take time. Yeah, uh, to like set it all up, as in if Frozen closes in September, they wouldn't be able to, I, I don't think at least, open another proper Disney musical until January, which is yeah. out on the biggest like season for kid musicals. Yeah, one of the them. Easily. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know, I think it closes in September. Beetlejuice on for a three month run from October. Alex Brightman returns. We film a promo. Alex shot. and then I don't know, like Beauty and the Beast opens in January. <laughs> I mean, that and has. Madden opens in January. Oh, well, oh, those two recently been on the West End though. West End like Beauty and the Beast. Is the West End. 2022. 2022. Was it actually? Yeah, it was on the Palladium for the summer. That doesn't count. It was at uh, the Canadian, It was there for like a month. It did like the classic, like, oh, it's, it's like what, well, um, what's McCall is doing? Uh, Wizard of Oz. But yeah, everyone, like, I don't know if you guys would have seen it, but like, everyone on West End, like, Twitter has been losing their minds over trying to figure out what the hell's going go to go into Jury Lane. I'd really to Cinderella part three. I think, yeah, we need, we need a musical about the drama of Bad Cinderella. um... And it culminates in saltburn being made. oh my God. <laughs> the thing is there's a lot of shows that I would love to. now again, there's it's a begging like it's our dear yeah. friend Andy to put on Anastasia. <laughs> Andy, please. I was... <laughs> I have seen in front of the opera three times now. and I'll go again. Yeah, I bought front row tickets. Please put on Anastasia for me. She will stop being mean to you for about two days. I'll. I'll... Sing your praises for two whole days, <laughs> two whole days. But please, Anastasia. Other quite sad closing news is how to dance in Ohio will be playing its last performance next month. Yeah, it's it, it's sad because I I I really liked the inclusive t- uh, the inclusivity measures that they were taking and the way that they fully they. It was so intentional, like everything they were doing. Yeah. I think it's sad that it's closing, but it's not particularly surprising. It no. It, so I saw someone say that it probably didn't make any money the entire time it was open. That was really sad. I would have loved to see it. I would love to see it. Um, it's not going to Jury Lane. They're opening How to Dance in Ohio in Jury Lane. <laughs> Other closing, it's at the time of recording this, I think when this episode comes out, it will have finished. Uh, it's Gutenberg's last week. Oh, yeah, Gutenberg. Fucking love Gutenberg. Um, Gutenberg but... in Jury Lane. Oh, that could sell? Like, I they, do they do what do. they did on Broadway, limited run. Limited run, Andrew get a bunch Reynolds of celebrities in. We can finally have Andrew Lloyd Webber on stage. Yes. Andy. 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 Listen to me. Avid listener of the podcast, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Gutenberg at Jury Lane. And you are the producer every night. Who else could they have as a producer? Camera Macintosh, Camera I Fletcher. I Fletcher. Well, on okay. Friend. Fun fact about the theatre Royal, Jury Lane is it's called that because the reigning monarch always has to go to the show. So is that king... true, or are we just it saying is. it? No, I saw it. Is I saw. Up? I, yeah, I saw a royal historian talk about it, and there's like a king side and a prince side because once they were going to the show, and they got in a massive fight, and then they had to go back to the show. They had to sit on opposite sides of the theatre. Jesus. The UK's a real, real country, guys. Anyway, Prince Charles, if you want me to like you for two days, be the producer Gutenberg. Oh my god, who else is like famous on the West End? No one. It doesn't have to be West End, just like UK actors. It's you. UK, like, oh, I f- you could probably get like Graham Norton. Oh, he would do it. Neil Patrick Harris. Like, all of those kind of Is he British? Be- oh, he's not up. British. Neil- <laughs> Harris no, he's Harris. not, is he? <laughs> I have like this memory of him doing a British accent, and it's always just stuck in my head. It's oh, he's British. He's not. He's not. But in my head, he is. He he looks British. He does look British. Yeah, no, I don't. That's mean. what it is. He really looks. British. He really British. does look British. I'm anyway, googling famous British actors, we're just gonna <laughs> okay. see who comes up. A Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, you could do it. Ian McKellen. Oh, Ian McKellen would 100%. He would do Idris Elba would do it? Idris Elba would do it. He was like, oh, the women some loose Columbia. women. You know, like, the loose women people. Oh, Alison yeah, Hammond. Yeah. um, Denise Welsh. <laughs> Natty Healy! No. Oh, so. um, I'm really just going through this. But I think we have enough celebrities for a three-month run if Angela Weber promises to do any nice so they can't get someone. Yeah. I don't know, you just get, like, all of the Doctors one by one. Oh, yeah. Just have them come up on stage one by one. That'll be fun. We'll enjoy that, I'm sure. never seen an episode of Doctor Who in my life, but, yeah. that will get you some press. How does it, yeah. Um. Everyone needs to calm the fuck down, though, because they're like, Broadway's in danger. Everything's closing. It's just January. Right. It's January. Like, we have this conversation every January, and then we have this conversation every September. Stuff closes. It is sad that the Two Things Closing are the newest musicals of the season, but there like I've seen people say that there are there were issues with their marketing campaigns. Oh yeah, Harmony. Yeah, is like Harmony. Yeah. Harmony is closing and House of Dance in Ohio really didn't like there was issue with like them not getting out, not being able to do word of mouth because there was like those issues around their rush policies. There's a lot that we can criticize, but I would have liked all in all, I would have liked for it to have a longer run. Life, like, lifespan. Is there anything else? I saw that Gatsby was Paper Mill's highest grossing show of all time, which I thought was insane. I can't think of anything else that's happened. No. happened. I'm sure stuff has happened. No, and by the time that this comes out, stuff would have happened. Let me just quickly check. Playbill. But yeah, I think, I think, like, we all just need to remember that, like, that stuff is going to go up and stuff is going to come down. Um, and not to get too fatalistic about it. Because what will happen will happen. Look, six celebrated their like. Sixth year anniversary. It was their sixth year anniversary. Yeah. So- yeah, no, yeah, no, I saw that. I have never felt more old in my life than when that happened. I was like, what do you mean six is six years old? Six years ago. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, like I've been following six for six years. What? This is crazy. Anyway, um, I think that's it for news. Yeah, we probably forgot something, but it's fine. Yeah, you guys should just. These are the news stories we actually wanted to talk about. Um, so "Beauty and the Beast" is a musical book by Linda Wolverton, music by Alan Menken. Lyrics by Howard Ashman and Tim Rice. Yes! Rice! Yes! The whole time I was doing it, in my head I just kept referring to him as Rice. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber. Andrew
1: Apparently, Lloyd Webber's
0: they... book haunts me. Apparently they do have beef. <laughs> so that might yeah, be... they stopped working together, they have beef. I don't know what. Um, It's based on, obviously, the animated film with the same name with it coming out at in 1991, with it being during what's known as the Disney Renaissance. So, um, the guy who, like... I like, really thought Beast and the Beast came out a lot earlier than 1991. It feels very old. Yeah. I don't know why. I think it's because when when I was growing up, the only, like, copy of Beauty and the Beast that we had was on a VHS tape. The Same. <laughs> so, we got rid of the VHS tape when I was, like... I don't know, when I was, like, six or seven. I think I did end up getting a DVD copy of it. And, like, no, we never yeah. got a DVD copy. But to be I've been, oh no, you also have a younger sister. Yeah, we just didn't want to be the Beast as a child from past society. Michael Eisner, he's basically like CEO of Disney at the time. He is in charge of the Disney Renaissance and he loves theatre. He was born in Manhattan. Yeah, he was born in Manhattan. He studied theatre. He's a little theatre kid who then got placed CEO of Disney and it made it into his films. It, with... out. it Yeah. Isn't that every, like, Disney adult's dream? Because you know a lot of them probably study theatre. Yeah. Also, then they bought on, like, yeah, so because of this, people like Anna Benkin, who had written uh, Little Shop at that time, was brought on to write all these, all the scores, and he composed them like they were musicals. So a lot of people said around the time that bg came out, it was like, it's like a stage musical. Each song advances the plots. Characters sing through their feel- thoughts and feelings. It is just very musical theatre in its DNA. Reisner hmm. and his friend Katzenberg, who I believe is another CEO, uh, higher up at Disney, maybe we should make a stage show. Maybe oh, we can make more money. So they were like, but like they didn't want it to be like Disneyland. So in the whole time I was reading everything about this, they were kind of talking down on Disneyland. I was like, Disneyland is literally you guys' thing. <laughs> They're kind of shopping around directors, so at times they thought of Hal Prince from Phantom of the Opera to do it. Don't call him Hal Prince from Phantom of the Opera. That's his most famous work. I mean, I know he's done stuff like Merrily um, we roll along. Sorry, Hal. He's a very respected I love Hal Prince. I think his direction is why Phantom is so good. Yeah. And Trevor Thank you, Nunn. Cameron McIntosh. <laughs> <Fuck> <laughs> and you. Trevor Nunn who did Cats. It was an all-star team, really. All-star. <laughs> really considering them. But then uh, Robert uh, Jess Roth, who was working at Disneyland, kind of found out about this and took it on as his project mm-hmm. and like, had been like the eyes, no, you should make this a musical, you should make this a musical. And then when they were like, maybe we should. They were like, let's bring back this guy. Let's not bring back the Cats guy. Not a bad choice, but... <laughs> yeah. Alan Menken was reluctant to try and do... As a musical, since Howard Ashman had died soon after the movie was done. He also had issues with it being something like Disneyland, however, Rice showed up and saved the day. Thanks, Rice. <laughs> Thanks, my bestie Rice. He is such a little minx. So we'll get to it at this one point where I was like, what the fuck? He's fucking hilarious. <laughs> There's, like, a group of, like, British theatre people that I just find endlessly entertaining and all of their antics to be absolutely insane. I need, like, a reality TV show about them. Yeah, like, I want to know what they do in their daily lives because you know it's batshit. I would actually love a reality TV show about Andrew Lloyd Webber. Not even because I like him, I just think it would be so ridiculous. I think, like, I I think his daily life is absolutely boring and then he says something batshit or it's just all batshit. It would be like a twenty-minute episode, and the first ten minutes would be him like playing old Phantom songs, <laughs> and then yes. the second half of the episode would be him being like, Sarah Brightman, Sarah, come call back! Sarah, <laughs> call Sarah. And I don't wife... think we can actually. He is married, so I don't no, think his we can wife. Say... <laughs> his wife? No, his wife spends all her time at the stables. <laughs> no, I think his wife has a life, and Andrew just sits around going Sarah. He, he plays the piano for his little TikToks. So... It's a poor He, like, off. occasionally posts a photo of him and his pets on Twitter. <laughs> and then he'll post something for, like, someone's birthday, and it's the weirdest it's thing ever. Like, happy that. birthday, Lin-Manuel Miranda, my best friend. Here's us on the coronation of the Jubilee. Good lord. That's my sweet proudest esteem for that video. It'd be hilarious to have a reality show about him. Oh. I need one, I need one about, after seeing Cameron Mackintosh have an absolute freak out, I need one about him. Did anyone else, me and Esme both got this like documentary <laughs> yeah. on TikTok, just in parts about Cameron Mackintosh, and it's crazy. It's on YouTube, I just need to watch it. Yeah, I feel like I've missed out part of it from having to like scroll through like 500 parts of it. Yeah, anyway. Casting. Um, during this time, people didn't really want to use big names. Um, because Katzenberg just didn't want to do it, and also, um, this was during the time when Patty Lepone was pissed at Andy. Oh, Patty LaPone's belt would have been great. Oh, I fucking love Patty LaPone. I know she can be absolutely insane, but I think that's her right. Again, reality TV show with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. The producers bring on Patty LaPone. You know, apparently. You know, like what they used to do in dance moms when they'd be like, "Patty will get you a role on stage." Yes. if you have a fight with Andrew Lloyd like, Webber in, ca- in front of our cameras yeah no i feel like it would be like the real housewives of like the west end that's what i want but it's just like It'd a bunch great. of old tories it would be so good apparently like they have actually spoken since sunset by the lord and it was once for her to sing don't cry for me argentina at the grammys she walked over and went hi andrew and then said this is to taunt I'm gonna start saying that. <laughs> this is the top. That's incredible. I'm listening to an audiobook about um Broadway in the nineties because I found out it's really weird and it started with the story about Patty Lepone and Sunset Boulevard. And when I tell you it was the most wild shit I've ever listened to in my whole entire life. Did you start listening to it? Because last episode, every time we tried to talk about Broadway in the nineties, you're like, Well there was rent. Yeah. And um, it was it, no, it's literally that. There's like is it's like there was it's literally no, it was like there was Sunset Boulevard, there was which marked the end of the um, British invasion, and then there was Sunset, and then there was Rent, and then there was Beating the Beast. Yeah, I think I've realized as well that's what kind of thro- makes me think the movie is a lot older because the movie came out in like 1991, and then the Broadway show came out in like 1994. Yeah, 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 it's it, time like out. usually there would be a bigger gap, Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, moving away from Patty the and into that release. Relations. Don't worry, Patty, this is not the last when we're we'll talking about you. Don't worry, Patty, we love you. Not you're... maybe for this episode, but. You'll get your moment. You're always on our minds. You're always in our hearts, babe. That video of you screaming at that woman, always in my heart. Susan Egan, who would go on to play the show, was against it, thinking this is a terrible idea for Disney to put a cartoon on Broadway. Um, She was such a snob in her own words at the time. Her agent said, go into the audition. You've never met the casting director. And by the way, I think you've got it wrong. It's a good idea. She had never seen the film. Um And so like, I just, in that way, it kind of works though. Because apparently everyone went into the audition room like imitating Paige O'Hara, who voiced Belle. And she was just like looking at it from a completely fresh standpoint. Yeah. Again, I felt like that's the trouble with releasing them both so close to each other. Yeah. It's just everyone is going to try and be the animated Belle, mm. like Belle's odd, she's quirky. This is Pedro Herrera. Um, she's funny. Uh, I went in. I thought I was funny. I made them laugh, and it didn't occur to me as something special. I think in this instance, surprisingly, not having seen the movie helped. Terrence Mann was cast as the Beast. Um, because he had been well, nominated. Talk everlasting. Yeah. I always do this, I always like, you know Terrence Mann is like an actual like, well-known actor? Yeah, he's like, like umbra- he's like famous on Broadway, like, like, he he's from it. Tuck Everlasting. He was nominated for a Tony for Lane Javert in the original Broadway cast of Les Mis. He's um, the man in the yellow suit from Tuck Everlasting. To you and five of the people. His most iconic role. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it would actually, it would play out of town and it would play at, it would be like co-produced with um Hudson Theatre Under the Stars for seven weeks and due to technical aspects of the show um despite the first preview it went very smoothly and the second did not with the Enchantress trying to fly off and smashes into the castle with Eisner not being pleased with this and the show stopping for 40 minutes to fix it, I mean- which Disney have always, say what you will about Disney and the corporation and Everything like kind of taking over Broadway to some extent. They are testing the limits of what can be done. They invest in those special effects. The show would really catch on there with them partnering with a food shop where people would leave, like go into the shop and then like just to do a weekly shop and then they would leave with tickets to Beauty and the Beast, which is funny. To think about yeah, that's the dream. <laughs> yeah. What if I could do my like week? I don't even do a weekly food shop. My right. monthly food shop at Aldi. Yeah. 20 pounds yeah i don't mean to brag i'm really good at saving money um, no. and it doesn't help because then i just spend on stupid shit my 20 pound monthly food job and i could walk away with tickets to fucking phantom that's um, the dream the arts chronicle would not be favorable to the show saying despite the money and effort that's gone into the stage beauty does not um equal the film much less surpass so why do it Again, this is the first Disney musical because we've become very accustomed to the idea that Disney are going to turn their movies into stage musicals. I mean, I think at the moment that the ones that they've they could adapt are a very strong contenders for musicals. Yeah. Like Tangled, why haven't you done that yet? We've we have a pitch for the Tangled musical. Oh my god. We in like high school, we would spend hours, hours. detailing how we would stage Tangled. Because it could be done really cool and like not like it could be done at like Circling Square in the round yeah we have some great ideas if Disney some... ever wants to like I actually don't think I'd like to be hired by Disney no I, I do don't hate absolutely. the corporation yeah but if they paid me enough I hate to say it I might be willing I, I would sell out for Beauty and Beast, for Disney if they paid me enough Yeah, yeah uh, also I've heard like Coco might become a stage show which again I think would be really sick mm. English. English. Encanto could be fun Encanto could be fun and um, the only one I will say please don't do which I already have a feeling they're doing Greatest Showman, no Is Greatest Showman Disney? I think they own the yes. theatrical rights uh, Broadway, it would reportedly cost 12 to 14 million dollars to produce with it becoming the most costly Broadway musical at the time with it costing $400,000 a week to run And That's like the standard now how did Dance in Ohio, which is tiny, cost that same amount to run? Allegedly, that's insane. Yeah, like uh, you said the price. I was like, well, that's like a pretty good price. Yeah, for a Disney musical. Well, think about it. Rent, which was also the other musical of the nineties, the only <laughs> other musical of the nineties, <laughs> as we know, of the nineties. Cost um twelve million less to put on, which is that's insane. insane. <laughs> um. Disney did have some run-ins with the way things had always been done with Playbill not permitting them to put the corporate logo, logo on the title page, which is funny. Sure yeah, kind of fair. And when movies require actors, like it's written into your contract so that you will show up to all of like, the publicity events. I don't know hmm. this. Actors' equity requires actors to be paid for work like TV commercials and um, for like commercials and appearances and all that other stuff. Which I didn't know. But I'm glad they're being paid for that. <laughs> yeah. With Disney trying to, like, swindle the union and they're being like, nope, you've got to pay your fucking actors, babes. Which is what a union should do. Disney's always been pretty horrible. Disney's pretty shit, especially with unions, as we learned over the summer. Yeah. It was also one of the first shows to have the cast recording come out whilst in previews. Like, the day of the first preview, you could go to the merch stand and buy a cast recording. Genius marketing. I think the thing with Disney shows is that they've always got, like, a big powerhouse, like, so much money behind them. You can say it's all of this, like, um, innovation. They're like, oh, they were, like, changing the Broadway game. It's because they had a massive company. Yeah. Backing them off on everything. Like, it wasn't this small group of Broadway producers like, oh, what if we, like, immediately release the cast album? Mm. No, I I I get what you mean. Like, I don't know. I think that's what's so interesting about looking at something like, Beating the Beast and then Rent almost, because they are so different in every aspect, but they were these two massive defining moments of a decade. One way that Disney changed it, and th- the ethics of this can be discussed in a lot of detail, Um, they literally changed Times Square to make their musicals. Oh my God. I know, it's insane. So, New York in the 90s. Especially Times Square, um, had a lot of sex shops in it. It was kind of a Wild West. Um, there was crime. There was drugs. There was a lot of like un-f- like unfamily friendly business happening in Times Square. And obviously Disney wanting to attract families to Times Square to come see their show because the theater it is in is the Palace Theater, which is directly in Times Square. You kind of got to ins- go- to incentivize families to come down there so um, Disney gave some money to make it a better place with less crime and drugs with the Walt Disney Company in New York State announcing plans to have the new Amsterdam completely like, so Disney owned the new Amsterdam, they basically bought it on the promise that Times Square around the time that Beauty and was going to Broadway they bought it on the promise that if they bought the theatre, Times Square would be cleaned up and the way they did this was by evicting undesirable businesses. Um local entrepreneurs, however, had their own agendas and launched a series of lengthy lawsuits. I hate Times Square in its current incarnation. And it makes complete and total sense that the way it is is the way it is, is because of Disney. Yeah. I'm not seeing I thought it was gonna be the like pedestrianizing thing. I was like, that's maybe you know, maybe that's quite nice. No. Like... Nope, it was, let's kick... I mean, it feels weird calling a bunch of, like, sex shops and crime fronts small family businesses. It's a bit weird. It is a bit weird. Retail outlets... Because obviously, like, once Disney decide, oh, like, Times Square's a good place to set up a business, like, a ton of other businesses decide, oh, let me get in there. Um, With bright, elaborate electronic signage appearing in the theatre district for the first time since the beginning of World War Two, Several businesses... And communication firms have announced plans to build new offices on or adjacent to West 42nd Street, with someone saying like there's a cappuccino bar next door. There's like there's a there was a massive Toys R Us being built around this time. Um at one point they It's just it, it's insane how much power Disney has. Yeah. And this just kind of shows it. Um they almost built a Disney themed hotel in the middle of Times Square. How you who let them do all this? I was like, who? Politician is signing off on this. Oh, God. They f- like so critics now are a lot nicer to Disney shows than they were in the past. I wish they weren't. <laughs> That's mean. I think a lot of Disney shows are like good. I just don't think you should be nice to Disney. No, and I I think because at this point also, disney Disney is kind of its own arm of the company, yeah, whereas at the moment, at whereas at this current moment, obviously, like it wasn't. and bob i Bob Eichner, he literally had final say over everything. So like every costume change, everything had to be ran by him, mm. which is kind of crazy when you think about it because. At any one time, Disney could have many, many shows on on around the world. But at this time, it was like their child in a lot of ways. The New York Times says... "As Broadway- So the, yeah, the full paragraph is, As Broadway musical goes, Beauty and the Beast belongs right up there with the Empire State Building, F. O. Schwartz, and the Circle Line Boat Tours. It's hardly a triumph of art. It will probably be a whale of a tourist attraction. It is... Las Vegas without the sex, Mardi Gras without the booze, Madame Tussauds without the waxy stairs, and you don't watch it; you gape it, knowing that nothing in. Oh, okay. I think it's a small American suburb. It's a city in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, that took me far too long to figure out. Is it just saying it, it's nothing important? Yeah, so like it's so basically it's saying like nothing in your small American city in Iowa will ever be as good as Beauty and the Beast, but is not good. Yeah, it's making fun of it because it's like, oh, it's what was it, Las Vegas without the sex? Yeah, Mardi Gras without the booze? Yeah, Madame Tussauds without the wax? I mean, you're comparing it to Madame Tussauds. Madame Tussauds is a pretty shit tourist attraction. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like the spectacle. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And nothing in Dubuque comes like no okay. We spent way too long trying to figure out, can American reviewers just be normal? Yeah. I feel like the New York Times are like always on one in some respect. <laughs> like what the hell does nothing in debut comes close mean? I mean be like nothing in your suburb comes close. I'm literally reading the fucking Wikipedia page for this trying to figure out if there's something that's so, only New- a very catholic city if mm. anyone's interested in that <laughs> one of its largest employers is nordstrom <laughs> <laughs> they might have an office there okay arts and culture this is stupid why am mm. i looking at this why do i care <laughs> That's me. Often I'm like, well, how did I end up here? The city has a large number of students who attend private schools. Is it a rich town then? Well, I'm not sure. Considering one of the largest employers is Nordstrom, but maybe it's a there's very a big town. So a lot of them are Catholic schools. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh my! If <laughs> anyone, if anyone from Dubuque, <laughs> Iowa, <laughs> is listening, reach out. We have I'm best. gonna go on the. I'm looking at famous people. Maybe someone okay. here is <laughs> from Dubuque. <laughs> I'm so York... invested in this. If the New York Times had their way, nothing in Dubuque ever happens apart from the church. Apparently. David Rabe, the playwright who the playwright who won the Tony Award for Best Play in 1972, is from Dubuque. Take hey, that, New York Times. So, if that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> yes. The New Yorker would say, uh, for the production of Beauty and the Beast, Disney people have wise wisely abolished the Broadway rule of no under fives admitted. They should have considered and stipulated no one over five admitted as well. What is the point of agonizing your adult audience? Sorry, you're an adult and you chose to go and see Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's your <laughs> own fault. So it's like it's also like it's not objectively bad. It's a fun I think people just hate Disney, which is deserved. I mean they hate Disney but they don't hate it for the right reasons. I hate it because they're like Broadway Puritans. Anyway, synopsis time. Oh my god. The beloved fairy tale recounts the story of Belle, a young woman in a provincial town, and the beast, who is really a prince, trapped under the spell of an enchantress. Bit of a spoiler. If mm-hmm. the beast can learn to love and be loved, the curse will end and he will be transformed into his former self. But time is running out. If those lessons aren't learned soon, the beast and his household will be doomed for all eternity that is the plot yeah that is all of beauty and the beast that's beauty and the beast i think that the way to cause a bit more intrigue but i guess the thing with most disney musicals and i'm saying most because i think newsies is probably an exception to this is that everyone walks yeah. in knowing the story so you can't really be like and chaos ensues i'm not going to tell you what happens because you're gonna have to come see it when it's like no you can watch it at home I feel like there are better ways to do it. I should start ranking all of the synopsis I read. Interesting. But I'm not going to because that would require me to go back and read all the other ones we've done. Yeah. Anastasia had a good one, or maybe I just like Anastasia. <laughs> <laughs> the, like I don't I don't know, man. Anyway, our thoughts on Beauty and the Beast. On stage, it is very innovative. Like if you look at like photos of it and the costumes and all that other stuff. Very innovative. I was reading that it was one of the first times they had to hire a physical therapist because of the weird body contortions, like on Broadway, because of the weird body contortions that people were forced to sit in in these costumes. I can imagine. We've both done Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Who are you? Who did you play in Beauty and the Beast? Mrs. Potts. Who are Who are you? You? That's yeah. cute. Yeah. I was a silly girl well i I was one of the oldest and then um i did it when i was like 12 or something and the the girl who got bell and i was like 16 Mm. i think the girl who got mrs potts was also 16 so that probably makes sense i was looking at it today i was thinking about today and i was like city girl would actually be such fun it is it's a really fun role but oh my god my production of beauty and the beast was horrific so bad I know that we actually got the rights to do it because I had an actual script. Oh, we we had the rights. Oh yeah, Beauty and the Beast is easy to get the rights to. That's what Disney does best. For once in our lives, we had the rights and we were doing an age-appropriate show. How did it end up going so badly? I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name names. But all I'm going to say is we spent a disproportionate amount of time on our opening number. Belle is a bitch to put together to the point where me and my friend had to start teaching it. I don't know if we just did really simplistic choreography or something. I don't remember Bell being a particularly like bothersome number because of the costumes. Oh, we didn't have costumes. Oh we did. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was a silly girl and then I was also like a cutlery piece and be our guest. Someone had the fuck ass idea to do a stripped down production and beating the fucking beast. Oh. Insane no, basically like all of the numbers where it was everyone were hell. Okay. So, Belle. Belle was hell. We were all in it. Don't ask. But um, Belle was hell. House was horrific? Gaston. I loved Gaston. Again, it was just kind of because I got to be a city girl during it. See, that would be fun. I don't even know yeah. why I was in Gaston. I think Belle was also fun because I was a city girl. And it was literally we got to sit on stage. We got to sit at the back of the stage and gossip. And then when Gaston came on we got to like follow him around. Oh, and then we no. got to look like like after he talked to Belle and Belle would have a little bit, we got to like just be a bitch at home. Yeah, see. Like give her the side eye. It was fun. That sounds fun. All of the castle scenes, we got done very quickly. Ooh. I'm yeah, that's all I'm saying on that. Castle scenes <laughs> were a dream. Be our guest. Um, Speaking of which, Disney correspondent to the show, Toby oh god <laughs> he fucking hates this I texted him and I was like Toby why do you hate Beauty and the Beast and I was like Uh-oh. actually that's a bit mean maybe hate is a 2 one and he went no I hate Beauty and the Beast to the point where we once went on a he once unprompt 10am on a Saturday morning went on a long rant about how much he hated Belle from Beauty and the Beast the character? Yeah. Jesus. And then our friend who was like stood stood with us. He had heard this conversation. She went, She's my favorite Disney princess. I was like, oh child. So his argument is basically, oh my god, can I this wrong memories? Stockholm syndrome is wrong in a musical. Apparently Stockholm Syndrome isn't even real. I read an article about it and I can't remember what it said. I read it a little while ago. Really? That's so it interesting. Was, I think the results were, like, fabricated, but I don't quite remember. That makes sense, actually. And I think it's the main thing, is that it's because they exaggerate what the kidnapper has done. Yeah. Because, for example, Beauty and the Beast, mm. what does the Beast really do to Belle? Holds- well, no, because she... She has a pretty nice room. Yeah, she just can't leave the castle. Yeah. And the castle has grounds. She can go outside. Yeah, and she like she makes friends with with the with the people and the and the yeah. Cogsworth and, yeah, like, yeah. Like during lockdown, you weren't like I'm being held captive in my house <laughs> because I'm nah. not allowed to leave. Yeah, no, you were just stuck there. Yeah, you just it was just recommended that you don't leave and your house. I don't want to defend kids. <laughs> <laughs> But in the grand scheme of things, the beast wasn't that bad. No, I think he could, like, I don't, I was always scared of him as a kid. Surprise, surprise. And that whole thing of like, oh, he has a heart is, it does it well. It does, it like, the thing that's often, I think we were talking about this with A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Where it's like, when you you do the anti-hero, it is quite hard to like, make it rewarding, but also not jump the gun on the character development. Yeah. And I do think that that's one thing that the Beauty and the Beast does very well. And and they did the very smart thing of in the musical really expanding on key moments in the show, in the story. Yeah. So I'm thinking like the song like home, banger of a tune, that expands on the character development. Um well I think one of the things is Beauty and the Beast had a really strong like you were saying when you were just like telling the original story but like the backstory yeah it was already a musical yes yeah yeah, yeah yeah so it's not like like they had to do with a christmas carol where they had to write new songs yeah that explain the plot they already had those songs. they added some more that wouldn't work in a we were talking about this earlier as well because i i saw wonka last night oh yes um it's not a good movie but it was very enjoyable
1: oh Won- my wonka
0: is so entertaining Watching it made me realise that the big difference between musicals and movie musicals Mm. is that you don't have the interval. Yeah. Like, the end of Act 1, in my opinion, should usually be a song, or at least be a, at the very least, be a big point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has to make you want to, like, sit back down after the interval. Interest, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, like, in part, that's usually because it's a very happy song. Mm. Um you want to sit down because you're like everything's going right how on earth can there be a whole second act you know yeah what could possibly happen or often there's almost like a cliffhanger of like oh what's gonna happen next i was like oh no everything is going wrong how are they gonna fix this all i was just looking at it and so the act one finale is actually a change in me which is the beast yes yeah so it goes be our guest which is the big dinner with the the gown i think that's when she's in the girl yeah yeah that makes sense and then it's, a I can't it love always her. always thought something there. Something there slaps. Or Beauty and the Beast. No, Beauty and the Beast makes sense as an Act 2 song. But something there is like the opening of Act 2. Yeah, cause I, and something there works. Which also makes sense. As an Act yeah. 2 song, because it's like, here's the character development that's been happening. I think, like, the way Beauty and the Beast is laid out makes sense. Was like, the actual finale? If I can't love her? Yeah, if I can't love yeah. her. Um, That makes sense. It's a big moment yeah oh, yeah, I think it works better as um an actual finale mm. because it's more plot like there's not a lot of plot in uh, be our guest. yeah, it's a very fun song and it's a good like ensemble song. I, mm. I love the song. but I think it shouldn't be an actual finale because there's nothing really happens during it interesting because I assume probably the impulse when first looking at it would to be to put the big showstopper song that everyone knows from the movie, Be Our Guest, as the Act One finale, but plot wise it doesn't really make sense. But you know you know what a uh, stage adaptation of a movie that did do that and made it made sense. Anastasia, I know. Anastasia with Journey to the Past. <laughs> <laughs> <a great> musical. <laughs> Anyways. But um... They moved it around though, for Anastasia. Yeah, but I get the feeling, I, I'm looking at the list of, like, the song list. Yeah. I get the feeling that that's not how it is in the movie entirely. No, 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 no. Because, first of all, they've added songs. 100%. And, um, oh, yeah. I really like Human again. That's what, okay. You know how I was, like, earlier, I feel like um something there should be exactly. an action finale? Yeah. It's because in the 1991 film, it goes, be our guest. and mm-hmm and then something there, and then the mob song Beauty and the Beast, all of that stuff. Yeah. Which I guess is similar, but they just feel closer together in the movie because you don't have an interval. In yeah, you, yeah, you don't have an interval, and obviously like, if he's you, got fucking Terrence Mann to do the show, you've got to give him a big Terrence Mann from Tuck Everlasting? <laughs> he doesn't know it yet. He's going to be in a show called Tuck Everlasting. <laughs> I hate to say, doesn't he also have a big part in the actual finale of Tuck?
1: No, that's that's, Seventeen. Yeah, I was
0: about to say it's... No, isn't it Seventeen Reprise?
1: No, you're right, he
0: doesn't. Mm. I think... Well, in my mind, I do. It's because... He has a bit in one of the seventeens, I swear. It's because the act two opener is Everything's Golden, which is his big song. Yeah, that's his song, and a great act two opener, actually. But also, like, you can really tell that the inclusion of, like, um, Alan Menken and Rice... Coming from such a strong musical theatre background, and almost being like, I know I basically wrote a musical, but now I get to fully write a musical, and so almost understands that. Yeah, most people expect. I think, and I and comparing it to other Disney shows, Frozen. That's kind of where Frozen falls short, is because, yeah, what's the Frozen? Obviously, let it go. You have like act to act one ends and let it go. However half of act one is filler because in the movie let it go is sung like what half an hour in Mm -hmm. whereas they make you wait for it a long time and so Elsa's not on stage for most of act one and a lot of it is just Anna and Kristoff because you have to have let it go be the big curtains down moment whereas on this they were like actually we could have a dancing spoon sending you off to intermission but instead we're gonna have a pack ballad it's like the 13th but I'm not entirely sure how many of those songs are just instrumentals
1: what I I'm hate to say,
0: to... I have not listened to the Frozen Broadway recording often. Okay, some of it yeah, does actually like slap in the Broadway. I'm sure it does. I know Monster is really good. Oh, Monster slaps. I think they cut that from the West End though. I've listened they... to it like twice. Yeah, I like, I like it. I think some of it's actually very good. Um, yeah. So the issue is, yes, yeah, so they do in summer. Before they do in summer, they spend a lot more time at the coronation, coronation, coronation. And then they kind of pad it with stuff like, what do you know about love? Yeah, But you are almost sat there being like, when's Let It Go happening? And it's almost yeah. like a weird payoff. Um, And I'm glad that Beauty and the Beast kind of took that. Like, we're not married to the original formatting of the source material. I think that's the thing. Beauty and the Beast is really good because it was like the first musical to kind of do that. Yeah. Where it was directly adapting something that was already a musical. And So it got a lot of freedom to do what it wanted. It both stuck to what was the original layout of the score, and then also got to do its own thing, adding songs, moving them around, all of that kind of stuff. And then unfortunately, I don't know if unfortunately is the right word, but that kind of formula has just stuck. Yes. I'm going to sound like a... I've moved on from Phantom apparently, and I'm just bringing up you Anastasia have. all the time now. silly. Like looking at your airbag. I fucking love Anastasia. It is just. I'm, I, I, I still love Phantom, and I do still listen to it a lot. But I really love Anastasia right now. Yeah. Um, Christy, Alton will really you getting a message from her this this year. Was what if I wrapped? Oh my god! Can you imagine? That would actually be really sick. Um, Anastasia the movie. As we said in the episode, it has very, very, very few songs. Yes. It, there's a, f- a few songs here and there. Mm. And the stage of the musical, as we said, has a line than then another song. Um, yeah. And all of the songs are good. Mm-mm. We love all of the songs. Yeah. But it is a lot. Yes, yes, and yes. And the question is how many of them are needed? Yeah. Because yes. there's become this kind of idea of you have to add songs when adapting a movie musical to a stage. Yeah, Um, I mean, we'll go on to talk about it in more depth because there's some interesting things to talk about alongside it. But Disney did, um, they did actually add a song further on in the line called A Change in in Me, I think it is. That's where I'm getting A Change in Me from, yeah. And you get the same thing in, like we said, Frozen in Aladdin.
1: Aladdin,
0: it's yeah. Is Hunchback a stage musical? Hunchback yes. is a stage musical, Hunchback but it never went a to Broadway because it was too weird, which I approve. But you'll see, they have added songs to all of them, and that's not a bad thing. It's good. I, lo- I love the songs. All of the songs are good. I Ooh. think almost. It's just, I think it's weird how Beauty and the Beast was the blueprint of that, and it's just stuck in a lot of them. I don't feel like it's needed. Yeah. I mean, Frozen is probably the most contemporary example, but. I saw it once in 2018 on Broadway and then I saw it again in 2022 in London and they are very different shows. They have changed them they've gutted them and they have removed ballads. So I think originally when I saw it the first time there was a song called True Love which was all talking about like heart like mm. Anna believed in this notion of true love which is it's a very good song. And like songs like Dangerous to Dream as well have been cut because they just got to the point where we're like we don't need all these songs. The audience yeah. know the I songs. I feel like another Another big one is, I think, Lion King. Yeah, the Lion King is revolutionary because there are like five songs in the Lion King movie, and I think it's... like if I told you think of a song from the Lion King musical, you'd be like, oh, you know, Hakuna Matata, I just can't wait to be king. Circle of Life. Circle of Life. I mean, circle. Those of life are all just iconic. the movie songs. Yeah, but like, if I told you to think of a song that is just in the musical. I don't think you could I would name one. Really. Struggle. I'm looking at them. I could not name any of these. Whereas I think the thing with like Beauty and the Beast is people know home. Yeah. People know these songs have been added. People know if I can't love her. Like and I also I also think that breaking the form and almost doing something quite interesting is what Disney almost did with musies. They changed that completely. Yeah. And it became a very good musical. Whereas I think and I I think Beauty the Beast obviously had to tread the line quite carefully because as I said, like everything had to be signed off by Michael Eisner. Oh, um, they cut true love. Something else? Yeah, they cut true love, which is the big, big moment for Anna in Act Two. Which I missed it when I saw mm-hmm. it. But you know, I'm not a small child and can sit through with like two and a half hour musical. Yeah. Um, which is also I mean, important. The point I'm they trying to make though isn't one. like Yeah. The point I'm trying to make isn't like oh, they should stop adding songs and they should just, you know, adapt the the movie straight onto the stage. No. I'm just saying it's weird that this thing they basically randomly decided to do with Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Just to bulk up some of the plot. Because you, you don't get a song like Home in the movie, so there's not really a point for Belle. I don't remember what the song is called. She's like, I want adventure in the There's Yeah, somewhere. that's Belle reprise. So they set her up. They give her the "I Want" song in the movie, and then they never really expand on that. As added as there were, and I feel like none of them stick the way the ones in Beauty and the do. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, that that yeah, that is is really interesting because I mean I couldn't name you an added song from Aladdin. Um, I could from Frozen because I've I mean I've I've seen seen it, Lion King, even Little Mermaid or. I'm not going to count Mary Problems because I've done it. I feel like, like, pun sure. the songs. All of the Disney musical. I feel like if I played you a song, you'd be able to be like, oh, yeah, that was added in the movie. or oh, that was in the original, all of that stuff. Yeah. I think maybe over time they've got a little bit more protective of the brand and of the original movies. Because, yeah. I mean, if you're doing it for the first time, you don't really know to the full extent what the risks are. And so we're just kind of like, oh, I'm going to put this I on going I to say it, though. Mm. I hate the live action. Oh yeah, I hate it so much. I've, I've I went to the cinema and saw it. Longest longest movie of my life, actually. My sister maybe listened to it, and it is insane how auto-tuned it is. It takes away from it, and you've got people like Audrey McDonald in there. She does sing a song, but like it's like what? Evans. It just sounds. Josh Groban did a song. Yeah, he did like Everlasting. I swear he did Evermore. Ariana Grande did a song. And so did Celine Dion. Ariana will show up anywhere and everywhere. Have you ever? The seen one it? I actually re- okay. The one thing I really hate about the movie, the live okay, yeah. action movie. Yeah, the live action movie. So, and this is again, just because I played um a silly girl, mm-hmm. is that they took out the silly girl's parts in Bell Reprise, so it doesn't make sense anymore. No, they just have her like run up to a mountain. and Be like, I want to get in the great white somewhere. It doesn't work. Because the line in the original is a silly girl saying, um, Madame Gaston, can't you yes. just see it? Madame and Gaston, it's... his little wife. No, sir, not me. I guarantee it. She yes. wants much more than this. And then when she, they sing it in the live action, and Emma Watson and her stupid, sorry, Emma Watson's a lovely lady, I'm sure. And her stupid little alto tune voice. Mm. She's Madame Gaston, can't you just see it? Madame Gaston, his little wife. No, sir, not me. It doesn't really, make sense. It's really interesting because they did actually add to the funny girls in like the 2021 version, which was in the UK. They added to the funny girls. Yeah. But like everywhere else, they were just like, mm, no, not going to do that. not going to do that. Really? That movie That's is funny. weird and horrific. And I've seen it once and ever again. It was insane. I saw it in the cinemas. And it was Never. like a mashup between the original and the musical, which makes sense, but it just didn't work. And the CGI was off. Yeah. And poor Emma Watson was having to like act with golf balls basically, and so she wasn't obviously doing her best. Actually, yeah. I think also I like historical fashion, so I will say her refusal to wear a corset was stupid. She refused to wear it's a corset. It's not an attack on your feminism. Yeah. So the dress looks really bad. I count because myself. It's not like wearing a corset is not. You have to look thin and pretty and have a perfect hourglass. That's never what it's for. It was so the dress has support; otherwise, it will ruin your back. So they couldn't make the dress big enough and heavy enough as it should be. Mm. Because she couldn't wear this. she well not couldn't. She refused to wear the support needed. That's pisses in- me off. That's insane. I mean, I'm I'm a feminist. I would love to wear a corset in a big poofy dress. It's like the Cinderella live action. The dress is really good. You're sounding it's a the, lot like it's better. You. I'm actually sounding like my sister, who talks about this all the time. <laughs> Toby also talks about this all the time. This is a part of his rampage against it and he's also like, everyone's like, everyone's like, oh, so mean to Ariel, but never mean to Belle. And I'm like, dude, have you got personal beef with the Disney princesses? God, JK, love you, I'm trying to find a picture to show you. No, I know exactly. Just about what how ridiculous the dress looks compared to the um Cinderella one. But it really annoys me because like most of the other costuming is really good she refused to wear it i just thought it was a bad dress no she refused to wear a, b- a corset that's silly i'm gonna find the article i remember this being a big thing it sounds like something that would be a big thing yeah because i remember her talking about how she was gonna make belle feminist i don't i don't know how i feel about this advertent need to scream about feminism when making disney princess films and i'm not blaming that i act- don't like i actresses for this Sorry, i'm reading what she said no one go annoy rachel zegler leave the poor woman alone she was told to say that but in cases like this i'm a bit like mm. i don't know if she said this but it, it's what is said in relation to her playing Belle in the live action it was in the past she Belle was solely an object of desire and let's be honest true to disney princess form pretty helpless and dependent on males in the film Okay. Watson was determined to play a princess who had more agency and would be able to take action, and a corset just didn't fit in with that storyline. Yep it does. Yeah. Yeah. Watson worked closely with the film's creators and costume designer, Jacqueline Duran, to create a new look and personality for Belle. She'll star as a skilled inventor whose interests include horseback riding. Belle reads. Yeah. Like, I think it's fun to do a more mod- modern take on a princess. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm not against like, Belle having more hobbies. That's always fun. Yeah. But- and I think, like, I want to make it clear, I'm not dissing what she was saying about like the corset being used to create a more appealing shape, because in press for the movie, she was photoshopped to have a more hourglass yeah. shape, She was which also... is partly why she refused to wear the corset. Yeah, she also did wear a corset eventually in a film, because I know for a fact she wore one in Little Women. It's such a stupid thing to be picky about, mm. but the dress just doesn't look good, because it's too light. Google it. Like um, when you compare it to the Cinderella live action dress, you can see I how love many that like, dress. petticoats and like under layers she's wearing. Because yeah, because she has a corset to support the weight. Yeah. Anyways. One thing, like I'd like to say about like the be- the whole Belle characterization is, I like the quote from Susan Egan, who originated her on Broadway, and she was like, "Yeah, Belle's kind of weird. She's kind of kooky. She's kind of funny," which is a like a very um which is a lot more, like, of a favourable oh my god, I've just seen the dress again for the first time in a while. Yeah. That's bad. That's, that's bad. complaining because it was in, like, 2017 and I've moved on. <laughs> but... You sound like Toby. It's the same thing I have a and I hate to bring up. It's the same thing I have a problem, and it up, have a problem with with, like, Anne Julia. There's a, yes. this obsession with making female characters more feminist in a <laughs> modern sense. And I don't hate that. Like it's a very good idea. There's a lot of female characters that are very weak and Disney is one of the worst, like um Opponents. origins of that. Yeah. We have a ton of Disney princesses who cannot do anything for themselves and rely on a man to save themselves. Yeah. But there's this obsession with doing that with every single female character who has ever existed. Yes. And I don't know, I've been I've been kinda thinking about this. In relation to the great Gatsby, shocker. Um, and everyone was like, oh, which one's gonna have the more feminist Daisy? I was like, fucking Daisy Buchanan doesn't give a shit about feminism. Yeah. Like, she is modeled after Zelda Gerald. of Gerald can be read as a feminist, but she was also a rich socialite who wanted to do what the fuck she wanted. You know? So, I think it's the thing of modern I, feminism is very different from... even the feminism in 1991. And that's not yes, to say that Belle yeah. is a feminist character. It's, like that article was saying. She is kind of reliant on men to save her to an extent, hmm. and she doesn't really, you know, you know. At the end, she like lets the beast and Gaston fight, and she doesn't really do anything. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's not great. Right. But I don't know. It's, if, I don't know if I like you can this. critique them and say they're not feminist in this way, but that doesn't mean you have to rewrite their. Interview. It just annoys me because I also like history. <laughs> I don't. I don't like... I mean, you were right to always compare this feminism or this interpretation of the character to Anne Juliet in some ways because it is very, like, Anne Juliet feminism where it's like, oh, a woman's story, an old woman's story cannot be feminist enough on its own. We need to reinterpret it, interpret it in some way where it's like uh, there can be feminist interpretations and in, in readings of it if I really sat here and picked apart the story about... I'm sure I can find some quite feminist points. There is a whole subculture of literary critics who just read Shakespeare's works and do feminist interpretations. Trust me, I have read them. I studied <laughs> Hamlet for like two years. I read about fifty feminist critiques of Hamilton. Hamilton? <laughs> Hamlet. I've also read feminist critiques of Hamilton. Fuck okay, it. Let's but... you know what? Let's go bossify eliza Schuyler. i don't know i didn't i didn't think i'd be talking about feminism and my dislike of it apparently in the beauty and the beast episode but here I we did. are i did because toby always screams about this i'm like you're okay Toads um i no and also it's like it's like there are there can be feminist interpretations of things but that doesn't mean you need to completely rewrite and discard the source material in ways yeah i don't know i think something like Encanto is a lot more up to date about feminism is a lot can be a lot more feminist than something overtly feminist you know yeah <laughs> something old that's like, intentionally feminist. frozen is frozen is really good because it also has a romance in it but neither of the female characters are reliant on a man. No, they've got agents. I think Belle does have agency at some points. I think part of that, more so in the musical than in the movie. I yeah. agree with that kind of sentiment. Yeah, anyway, the 2017 movie did it wrong, whatever it was. Yeah. Do we want to move on? So the Tony Awards, it would be nominated for Best Actor for Terrence Mann, Best Actress for Susan Egan, Best Featured Actress for Gary Beach, Best Book for Linda Wolverton, Best Costume Designer for Anne Hold Ward, Best Director for uh, Robert Jess Roth, Best Lighting Designer, Best Musical, and Best Score. It would only win Best Costumes. But that's a lot of Tony Awards for a show that the critics were not fans of. It's almost, it's almost like they were doing something now. They were doing something kind of revolutionary. Not in a necessarily good way all the time. Fun fact, some, that same Tony year, someone won a Tony for playing Sheila in In Spectacles. Oh my god. Banner of A-roll. After five how years? Did it win? I don't her? know if you said how many it won. It only won one. It how only did one. it win? Only for all um, costumes. I'm looking at who it, who it was up against. Shockingly, mm. it was kind of deserved. It was Passion by sometimes that kind of swept. I can get 100%. It's not even one of sometimes best works. But I can get 100% why they were like, we're going to give it to the Sondheim over Disney. Audra McDonald, also one featured actress. Love you, Audra McDonald. A carousel. Love you, Audra McDonald. Carousel's weird the more and There's more I a learn play about it. it was called Angels in America, Perestroika. Um, anywho. Yeah. After five years, it would move theatres from the palace to La Montfontaine Fontaine, with it being smaller, with it having 265 fewer seats than the palace. It would cut, like, seven um, members of the cast as well during its run, which isn't great. But I guess they're still creating stable employment? I don't know. It's weird whenever shows move theatres, and it doesn't really happen very often, but I'm starting to think, maybe it should happen more. Maybe some shows could last longer. So, the f- it would obviously start stunt casting, like all big shows do, and it's First and probably only big stunt cast was R and B singer um Tony Braxton, with there being back and forth negotiations in July or in nineteen ninety eight, with, uh Roth the director saying based on her songs everyone thought Tony was this huge sex spot sex pot sorry but that was just a role she was playing in order to further her recording career the real Tony was actually brainy down to earth woman who let's be honest seemed a lot like Belle she was kind of a nerd so it was back and forth about. How this would happen and all this other stuff. And then Um, they all go out for dinner. Um, Rice um, and some other people on the creative team. Rice kind of says that he'll write a song for her in the show. The director has to call up Disney and be like, so Tim Rice is writing a song because he promised one to Tony Braxton. What song was it? A Change in Me. Oh, yeah. Do you want to know what Rice's response to getting a frantic call being like, did you promise a song being added to this show classic rice he said oh crap what i think i did say something like that after the second bottle of wine oh my god so she would be the first black woman to play bell or any disney princess for that matter um whilst i was researching this i found a very interesting academic article talking about um the song the inclusion of the song the race and capitalism of disney and the way that they impacted broadway and Tony Braxton, like, and how she fits into that. It's by a guy named Jason King. It is very interesting. It is, like, 28 pages long, and you're like, how the hell did someone manage to write 28 pages about this? Truly fascinating. I'm going to include it in the links. Um, But, yeah, just classic rice antics in the end, being a little minx in a minute. Anyway, so there have been many tours, with the first one being in 1995, one year after it. If you look at, like, a timeline of all the notable productions... It basically opened on Broadway and then started popping up everywhere. Yeah. So Disney know how to market a show again because they have such like a big enterprise behind them. So the West End, it would open at the Dominion um, on the 14th of May 1997 with it costing £10 million to produce, making it the most expensive musical ever mounted in London. The finances of like West End shows aren't as transparent as they are on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah, I wanna I wanna know how much money Lamus is making in a week actually. Because I don't think a million pound weeks are happening over here as often. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm just so used to like Broadway economics. Yeah. I really do need to see the West End ones. Um, but we don't publish grosses here. They don't they are not reported. At the 1988 Olivier Awards, it would win the, um, this is the full title of the award, it is reported basically everywhere as being the American Express Award for New Musical Theatre, um, with it beating out Enter the Guardsman, Guardsman, The Fix, and The Lady in the Dark. So yeah, there would be a West End revival in 2022 and a UK tour alongside it. Um, it would be a reimagined version of the show with it paying the palladium between between the twenty fourth of June and the seventeenth of September. This, do you know who starred in this as Belle? Who? Courtney Stapleton, who was Meg, great actress. Sure oh. I have. Other international versions. The show has literally been done everywhere in the world that has a theatre. If it has any kind of professional theatre, Beauty and the Beast probably been done there with it even like i saw a production. i saw a photo of it having um a production in russia it has been done everywhere in the world um school versions it again it has been sitting at around number five on the list of the most done shows for very consistently for like the last five years so yeah with it being a massive hit you would think maybe there should be a revival on broadway well in 2019 the president of the Disney theatricals Thomas Schumacher said um I'm deep in it so yeah it's happening in response to questions about arrival of Beauty and the Beast there would be obviously like obviously there was a pandemic between there so everything kind of went a bit quiet but there was still like belief that there would be a Beauty and the Beast arrival happening probably at some time with there being no official words and then like, people believe that the 2022 West End production was maybe in preparation for Broadway because they made significant changes to it. Like, they made kind of big changes for to it for Disney. So it kind of makes sense for them to try it out like that. Um, and then there's also the rumour that it's going to reopen the Palace Theatre, which God. it's just a commonly held belief, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think anything's been confirmed. No, nothing's been confirmed. But if you ask most people, like oh, what well, you think is going to reopen the palace? A lot of people will say, maybe well, if I were to bet, it'd be Beauty and the Beast. I'm not against that. I like the idea of that. With the most official confirmation coming about two to three months ago, with MIT, the uh, company that licensed all shows, had to say all performances of Disney Beauty and the Beast in North America must be produced by the 31st of December, 2024. All requests for performances taking place after that date will be denied. Which basically means a big revival of some sort is coming soon. That kind of corroborates the theory. But they've been talking about putting this show back on Broadway for so long, even before anything official happened. So it'll be like, kind of like the Wicked movie in that way. It'll be crazy if it does happen. (laughs) When it finally happens, I'll be like, it's still not happening. It won't be real until they finish the first performance. <laughs> yeah, until that curtain goes down. I'm like, that's not fucking happening. Like, it's actually not happening. It's like, it's like with me and the Wicked Movie where I'm like, it's not happening until both movies are out. It's not happening until I've seen both parts. Yeah, because that's the thing. I have this horrible feeling that they might just never release part two. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but Beauty and the Beast, obviously very influential musical. It kind of bought children back to broadway like young people were back because of rent and then children were back because of disney and i mean there is a they all grew up and became the most insufferable musical theater adults like <laughs> us yeah but like disney wasn't really our our bag in some ways do you want to share what we're doing next week i wouldn't let you do it because it's your week one of my favorite musicals ever that i discovered yeah. last year <laughs> <laughs> literally like seven months ago yeah, because Esme forced me to go see it with her. Well, we're Aren't doing you it. glad? We're doing Groundhog Day. It's going to be Groundhog Day next week. which Yeah. I've never I'll done it. it. Uh, yeah, I've never cared about it. Never cared for Groundhog Day until this is an excuse to we're talk like about we're it. We're releasing it on Groundhog Day because it doesn't fall on a Monday. Yeah, no, we're not releasing it on. We're releasing it, it on the 5th. Well, yeah,
1: we are we'll releasing
0: on the 2nd. Is that Groundhog Day? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure it is. Febru Yeah, it's February second. So is that how you want to celebrate Groundhog Day? Yeah. <laughs> this holy holiday to you now. Oh my God, they've started putting out all the articles about it. What well, the fact that Groundhog Day is coming out. Yeah. Because it's a real thing. Well, we'll find out next on Friday whether or not it's six more weeks of winter. February I have a th- second twenty two. I have a feeling that the answer is going to be yes. No, I'm calling it right now. I think it's going to be an early spring. You think? We deserve it. Okay, so is it, because what is it? Like, when does it, Phil, Phil sees his shadow. Yeah. Is it? It's six more weeks. It's six more weeks, yeah. If he doesn't, it's an early spring. Does he ever not see his shadow? Yeah. There has been one year where the event was cancelled due to World War II. No, the troops need the morale. He has a 28% success rate. Oh, wow. And what's seeing his shadow? No, predicting whether it's an early spring or not. Oh, wow, that's actually a lot higher than I thought it was going to be. We get to talk about some of our favourite things. Groundhog Day, the 2017 Tony Awards, and Tim Mitchin. Okay, so here's the thing. Mm -hmm. 2019, Mm -hmm. he did not see his shadow. I do actually feel like it was an early spring. 2021, you had to wear a mask, but he saw his shadow. Uh, 2022, saw his shadow. 2023, saw his shadow. We're long overdue an early spring. (laughs) Yeah, we get so... But for the last time, we get to talk about the uh, 2017 Best Musical Race. I know. One day we'll start doing plays, and then we'll get to go back. <laughs> or oh, we'll just... Or oh, we do my pitch of we get really drunk and watch it. Turn into a drinking game. I want to watch that broadcast. I'm going to read you a sentence from this Wikipedia page about Groundhog Day. Okay. The Groundhog was not named Phil until 1961 okay. possibly as an indirect reference to Prince Philip the Duke of Edinburgh I don't like that <laughs> Phil the Groundhog is Prince Philip Duke of Edinburgh <laughs> that's so silly would you ever go to upon a Groundhog go? yes <laughs> anyway, join us next week for that I'm placing my bet that it's going to be an early spring by okay. the episodes out Okay, right. Well, we'll we should we'll... record it and watch the live stream <laughs> at the same time. We'll like can... start it. It takes us what like three hours to record. We'll start it three hours before, uh, and then right as we start to end, we'll see if it's an early spring or not, and then we can so. end it. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, bye.